tonight as we approach the scriptures tonight I want to spend I want for us to spend some time in reading a a couple chapters from the book of 1st Samuel I believe we will begin with chapter 15 of now let's go back to chapter 10 of 1st Samuel chapter 10 of 1st Samuel beginning at verse 1 then Samuel the prophet took a flask of olive oil and poured it over Saul's head he kissed Saul and said I am doing this because the Lord has anointed you to be the ruler over Israel his special possession I am doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel, his special possession. When we go down to verse 17 of the same chapter, later Samuel called all the people of Israel to meet before the Lord at Mizpah. And he said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel has declared. I brought you from Egypt and rescued you from the Egyptians and from all of the nations that were oppressing you. But though I have rescued you from your misery and distress, you have rejected your God today and have said, no, we want a king instead. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by tribes and clans. Samuel, just some information here. Samuel, a prophet, he was the one that was hearing from God that represented the Lord in the midst of his people, his prized possession, Israel. Israel looked on the other nations that surrounded them and wanted a system. They wanted something similar. They wanted a king that they could see. The Lord himself was king over Israel. But what the Lord had in place, Israel wanted something else. They wanted to be like the other nations. And so Samuel, who was the one, the prophet that was serving Israel, is now being told by the Lord to search out For this man from the tribe of Benjamin, coming from a wealthy family, Saul, and appoint him 
to be the ruler over the nation. Verse 20 tells us, so Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel. You're going to acclaim Saul as king. All the tribes of Israel before the Lord and the tribe of Benjamin was chosen by Lot. Then he brought each family of the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord and the family of the Matrites was chosen. And finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them. But when they looked for him, he had disappeared. So they asked the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, he is hiding among the baggage. So they found him and brought him out. And he stood head and shoulders above anyone else. Then Samuel said to all the people, this is the man the Lord has chosen as your king. No one in all Israel is like him. And all the people shouted, Long live the king. Then Samuel told the people what the rights and duties of a king were. He wrote them down on a scroll and placed it before the Lord. Then Samuel sent the people home again. In the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel, chapter 15, Saul is now serving as king. He is defeating, fighting against the enemies of Israel with some measure of success. Samuel now is a prophet who serves the Lord and instructs the king of Israel what was the mind of God if there was a message from the Lord and he stands as a representative of God to ensure that justice was practiced and that the king also will never abuse his authority. And so one day Samuel said to Saul, it was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of his people Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. There's a word from the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. The Lord. Samuel could have said this is what the Lord has declared. But he wanted Saul to know. Based on the message that he is about to receive. We're talking now about the Lord of heaven's armies. The Lord of hosts. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek. For opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. 
this is, even though this is not necessarily a part of our lesson tonight, it is good to know that God settles accounts. It is very important for everyone to know that God has a time when he settles accounts. Amalek, they opposed the children of Israel when they were delivered out of Egypt. They rose up against them. And God took note of it. Years passed by, but God has a record. Doesn't matter what we may think, God keeps a record. He has an account of the activities of men. Hear what he says now. He says, now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation. Men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. This is the God of mercy that is settling his account. Completely destroy the Amalekites, and everything that they own. Can you imagine? This kind of a language is hard to appreciate. But God is just. Bible said, so Saul mobilized his army at Telem. There were 200,000 soldiers from Israel and 10,000 men from Judah. And they went to a town of the Amalekites and lay wait, lay in wait in the valley. Verse 7, in the interest of time, tells us that Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to shore east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Captured the king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men speared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and goats, the cattle, the fat calves, and the lambs, everything in and the lambs, everything in fact that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. So if it was not pleasing to the eyes, they destroyed it. If it seemed worthless, it would have been destroyed. But if there was a possibility, if there seems to be a value that could be placed on it, it was spared. Now, God has a man who he communicates with. There is always someone who is standing for God. 
God is never left without an option. The Bible said, Samuel, the Lord spoke to him and allowed him to know how he felt. This is important. It's important because here we understand that this great God is so humble that he will share his feelings with those who are in relationship with him. He can tell a manservant, and I say manservant, I mean man or woman, one of his servants, how he feels about Canada. He can tell how he feels about a particular family. Now he shares to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king. For he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. In fact, he was there. It was Samuel who poured oil on Saul. Now God is sharing with Samuel, I'm so sorry that I made Saul king. He has not been loyal to me. He has refused to obey my command. He said, early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. Then he went on to Gilgal. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I have carried out the Lord's command. And Samuel says, then what is all the bleating of sheep and goats and the lowing of cattle I hear? Samuel demanded. It's true that the army spared the best of the sheep, goats and cattle, Saul admitted. But they are going to sacrifice them to the Lord, your God. To the Lord, your God, or our God. We have destroyed everything else. I want us to, to focus on this on the passage of scriptures that we are reading. This is building a, a, a foundation for us to understand something from this lesson tonight. Bible said, then Samuel said to Saul, stop, listen to what the Lord told me last night. There is a word from the Lord. What did he tell you, Saul asked? And Samuel told him, although you may think little of yourselves, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel. 
And the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go and complete, destroy the Amalekites until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? So here we have a man who is struggling with himself. Samuel tells us as he confronted Saul, although you may think little of yourselves, of yourself, remember you are the leader. Saul responds, but I did obey the Lord. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord, your God in Gilgal. Again, your God. And he's the king over God's people. Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. And stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. You have chosen to reject God's command. And as such, he has rejected you as king. Saul is now being faced by this rejection that's coming from the Lord because of how he treated the command of the Lord. He sows rejection and he's reaping rejection. And now he has to live his life experiencing rejection. He pleads with Saul, with, with with Samuel, I have seen, I've disobeyed your instruction and the Lord's command. He's pleading after he has been told that he has been rejected. Earlier in the scripture, it tells us Saul told Samuel, I did obey. And after he's faced with the rejection from the Lord, He's now confessing, I have sinned 
I have disobeyed your instruction and the Lord's command. For I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. But now please forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel replied, I will not go back with you since you have rejected the Lord's command. He has rejected you as king of Israel. Samuel turned to go. Saul reached after him to hold him back and tore the hem of his robe. And Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it someone else who is better than you. And he who is the glory of Israel will not lie, nor will he change his mind. For he is not human that he should change his mind. Now, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, we see another character, another individual that's coming on the scene. After executing the king Agag that Saul had speared, Samuel now is left in deep mourning. The nation is facing failure after requesting from the Lord a king like the other nations. There is a deep mourning. And the Lord now said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there. For I have selected one of his sons to be my king. I have selected him. One of his sons to be my king. My king. Your king, my king. As we look on the life of Saul, the end of chapter 15, we see. A great decline from king to being rejected as king, now facing rejection, living in that experience. The Lord says to Samuel, Quit mourning over Saul. You have mourned enough. Fill your flask with oil. There's a man named Jesse down in the town of Bethlehem. He has a son who I have chosen as my king. Samuel said, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Brothers, 
God has rejected Saul, but he's still reigning as king. And God is now making another choice. And Saul is still on the throne. Simply because Saul decided it is better to disobey God and find some level of comfort, appease the people, the demands of the people. Be comfortable with people. Be accepted by people. be rejected by God many of us in our Christian walk we have failed God we have disobeyed him we have not been loyal to his command And we don't even have the desire to straighten out our lives before God. We still want to serve. We still want to be in the company of those who are in the assembly of the Lord. But there is an issue. A sense of guilt. Something is taking place. And we know it. Let's progress. Samuel asks, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Certainly. His concern was valid. How can you anoint someone as king when there's a king on the throne? The Lord says, take a heifer with you and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed when he arrived at Bethlehem. The elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong? They asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son, 
Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Shimea. This is not the one that the Lord has chosen. Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied. But he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. I want us to understand also, brothers and sisters, and ladies and gentlemen, it did not the, 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 this, it did not matter if saw if Samuel had poured the oil upon any of Jesse's son other than David. He, that son or whoever Samuel would have poured the oil upon. We have to understand, brethren, that it, it is God that ultimately anoints his servant. The Bible said when the oil was poured by obedience, Samuel poured it took the flask of olive oil he brought and anoint David with the oil. If he had anointed Abinadab, all that would have happened is that the oil was touching him. But as soon as the right man, David, was anointed, the spirit of the Lord came Powerfully upon David from that day on. Brothers and sisters. No man can move the hand of God. To do what he does not want to do. As you begin to look around. On individuals in the church. In the local church. In the, in the church of the living God. We will recognize those of us we, who we can appreciate their anointing in the house. That it did not come from man. It came from the Lord. We can promote folks. We can grant them. But the anointing. Has got to be released from God. The spirit of the Lord. Cannot be bought. The spirit of the Lord. Cannot be controlled. Or manipulated by men. 
God calls men. God gives gifts to men. God anoints men. Bible said the spirit of the Lord came upon him. Now there are two things that take that, that took place. We're being told that immediately the spirit of the Lord comes upon David and Samuel returned to Rama. Now, the spirit of the Lord had left Saul. The king that's on the throne. Because there's only one is anointed as king. Tells us, brothers and sisters, you can serve in an office and don't have the anointing for it. As soon as David, God's choice, was anointed, we now learn that the spirit of the Lord had left Saul and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. Now, one begin to wonder what is meant by this statement. The spirit of the Lord is a shield around the believer's life. The spirit of the Lord is a shield around Saul's life. It protects him. It enables him to do what God wants him to do. And the fact that He's struggling now with being rejected. God anoints another individual, David, as king. And immediately, the spirit of the Lord withdrew withdrew from him. And the Lord sent a tormenting spirit. God allowed a spirit that will torment him to touch him. Hello, somebody. Hello. God never loses authority in this universe. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that he is Lord. Demons know he is Lord. Saul is now living without the guidance of the Lord. He is no longer empowered. And now a tormenting spirit troubles him. He's now 
in depression and fear. Brothers and sisters, depression, fear will allow, will cripple you, it will paralyze you. Now, some of Saul's servant recognized and said to him, A tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let us find a good musician to play the harp whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you. He will play soothing music and you will soon be well again. All right, Saul said, find me someone who plays well and bring him here. He knows something is wrong. And one of the servants quickly identified uh, Jesse's son from Bethlehem, who is a talented harp player. Not only that, he's a brave warrior, a man of war, and has good judgment. He's also a fine-looking young man, and the Lord is with him. Bible tells us that Saul sent words to, to Jesse asking verse 22 please let David remain in my service for I am very pleased with him and whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul David would play the harp brothers the difference is in the anointing a man who is experiencing rejection, who's been tormented, and a man who is anointed of God begins to play the harp. And Saul begins to feel better. And the tormenting spirit would go away. Israel, 1 Samuel 17, and we're building up. If we have to finish this next week, we're going to finish it. Israel is now faced with a battle. The Philistines, they have mustered their army for a battle and camp between Sokka in Judah and Azekah at Ephes Damim. There's a champion in the army of the Philistines called Goliath. And he tells us that this champion, he was over nine feet tall, wore a bronze helmet and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. Bronze leg armor carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. And he shouted a taunt across to the Israelites, why are you all coming out to fight? He called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Silica man and send him down here to fight against me. God has his anointing and an individual. And God knows how to put events or set events in place. To position 
his servant to bring out his will. Now David is sent by Jesse to go to his older brothers. David is serving back and forth from the sheep and to help his father while the other brothers are with the soldiers of the Israelite army. This continued for about seven, for 40 days. One day Jesse said to David, take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. He left the sheep and went. Verse 24 tells us, as soon as the Israelite army saw him, David is approaching the camp. Here's Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks and taunt Israel. Men are talking about it. They are fearful. They are trembling at the voice of this champion. David now is amongst the soldiers. Verse 26, ask the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? David is jealous for God. He's jealous And that's a positive jealousy for the things of God. Speaks of a zeal for righteousness, for zeal for the will of God. What God wants is what I want and what I want to protect. Men told him, there's a reward for killing him. But when David oldest brother Eliab heard David talking to the men he was angry what are you doing around here anyway he demanded what about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of he's trying to be little the man he's jealous I know about your pride and deceit you just want to see the battle David said, what have I done? I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. I'm told that David now tells King Saul, don't worry about the Philistine. I'm going to fight them. He's been discouraged by Saul. You're a young man. You can't handle the art of war. But inside of him, there's a hot fire that's burning up. The zeal, a zeal for God. 
He cannot stand. He cannot bear to hear the words of a pagan warrior taunting the people of God. So he's burning hot on the inside. He does not carry a selfish ambition. His zeal is positive. He's he's jealous for the things of God. That's positive. And so, he begins to talk about his experience to the king. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears. And I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The only reason I want to fight is for my God. He has crossed the line. He has defied the armies of the living God. And because of that, I will put my life on the line for my God. Talking about a zeal for the Lord. He's jealous. A hot burning desire for the things of God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul said, go ahead. And Saul began to give him his his armor. Put it on David. David says, no, I can't go in these. He protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. It's a difference when you have the anointing of the Lord. And God never give a man a battle that he has never prepared him for. That's why the church is victorious. We are never given a battle that we were not prepared for. Even in your individual walk, you will be never given a test that you are not prepared for. David says, I know that these are the armors that you wear for battle, but I've never, I don't feel any kind of a miracle in them. I know what I'm accustomed to fighting those bears and lions. And I don't feel that in these armor. I want to go in the strength of the Lord and in the strength of the Lord alone. Picked up, the Bible said he took them up, took them off, picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. And armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath, being nine feet tall, looked and saw this lad coming, a young young lad. And wonder, am I a dog? He roared at David, that you come at me with a stick. And he cursed David by the names of his gods. It's a, brothers and sisters, it's a religious war.
come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. But the anointing of God is on the young man. The spirit of the Lord is sitting on him. There is nothing that the enemy can do to a man whom the spirit of the Lord is sitting on. There is nothing that the enemy can do to an individual who is going out in the strength of the Lord. There's the enemy can do anything to any individual who goes out in their own strength. But when the spirit of the Lord, hallelujah, is sitting on you and you go out in the strength of the Lord, there's no telling, hallelujah, what kind of a victory you will have. And so David is now hearing the same taunt in the yelling and the pagan names of, of, of God's being called. And David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's army, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. We hear over and over again in the life of this young man, the zeal for God. He's jealous for the things of God. He wants the name of God to be magnified. He doesn't, he's not carrying a selfish ambition. He's going to war, but he's not, his eyes is not on the plunder. His eyes is not on the spoils of war. He's not looking on the camp of the Philistine to see what can be gained from this war. What I'm trying to gain here or what I am going to gain here is victory for the name of the God of Israel. Today, the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. This battle. Is going to magnify my God. You see, brothers and sisters, uh, let's let's bring it into perspective. There are folks who are desirous of making the name of the Lord God known in this earth. Their service to the Lord is to expand the kingdom of God. They don't carry selfish ambition. They are jealous for the things of God. They're not seeking after titles. They're not seeking after praises from men. They just simply want to please God. Where God's heart is, that's where their mind is. And their focus is. Very quickly, Goliath moved closer to attack. David quickly ran out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. He hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. The champion of the Philistine goes up against the anointed. And he's down. 
David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. Now, Saul recognized what had happened. Saul, Bible said, verse 55, Saul watched David go out to fight the Philistine. He asked Abner, the commander of his army, Abner, whose son is this young man? The same young man who's, who is, is serving in the palace. But he's going back and forth to his father's house, as we read earlier. So this probably is about the space, I believe, two, three years since he has first began to serve in the house or in the palace of Saul. Abner says, the commander of the army says, I really don't know. Find out who he is, the king told him. As soon as David returned from killing Goliath, Abner brought him to Saul with the Philistine head still in his hand. Tell me about your father, young man Saul said. Saul didn't even identify him. And David replied, his name is Jesse and we live in Bethlehem. First Samuel 18 and we're closing. I'm going to pick this up next week. After David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them for Jonathan loved David. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. Bible said, whatever Saul asked David to do, verse 5, David did it successfully. I want you to understand, brothers and sisters, doing it successfully was not because of David's own ability. The anointing was resting on him. The spirit of the Lord was upon him. And because of that, the anointing is promoting him. Saul recognized and made him a commander over the men of war, an appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. The people had, uh, the people favored or showed a great deal of respect to David. He found favor with the people. When the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. He came out after such a tremendous victory to meet King Saul. It's victory. It's dancing. It's singing. Tambourines playing. It's victory. Like Miriam crossing over the Red Sea and looking back and seeing the bodies of all the Egyptians washed up on the shore. The Egyptians you saw today, you will see them no more. Grab a 
timbrel and begin to dance and sing before the Lord. Such a tremendous victory. But the people began to sing. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. There's a comparison. We have seen Saul in battle and he has killed thousands. But this young lad has killed ten thousands. This Saul is hearing this song. Now, he's king. He's hearing the song. And he's experiencing rejection already. He's seen the success of David. And now the people are given to David. Saul is now very angry. He's angry. What's this? He said, they credit David with 10,000 and me with only 1,000. Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Jealousy. Envy. David is being appreciated by the people. Success is upon him, or he's being successful in the things that he's doing for the Lord. And Saul is now affected. Now, brothers and sisters, the Bible said he's angry, very angry. A burning passion on the inside. Why? Because Saul, because David is being appreciated by the people. Verse 9 tells us something. From that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. This is not a positive jealousy. He's angry. He's bitter. It's a terrible sin. He kept an eye on him. I want to ask this question. It seemed very simple. Are we keeping an eye on an individual because we're jealous of what the Lord is doing in that person's life? 
jealous because the, because the Lord uses him or her. Jealous because the Lord did not anoint you in a way that or in the way that he anointed such a person. Perhaps jealous because you have had an opportunity to be used of the Lord, but did not, or you were not diligent before the Lord. Now coldness has crept in. Prayer life is now destroyed. The praises that used to leave your lips are no longer on your lips. You're still coming church. Still finding yourself in the midst of God's people. But you can't feel the presence of the Lord. You look back and you think about your life and what it used to be. Staring you in your face are young men and young women who are progressing in the Lord. And you wish it were you. Somebody is creeping up in your space and it's making you angry. Somebody is is now being appreciated because they have given themselves to the Lord while you are distracted, seeking out the pleasures of this world. There's a man who don't mind tending to the flock. And I'm not talking about God's people. There's a man who is not interested or is not necessarily career-driven like you are. Not necessarily as greedy or is not greedy like you are. So, while you may be seeking wealth, he's comfortable doing a task that the Egyptians would normally look on the Israelites or those who were shepherds and mock them. That's the that's the, the, the worst occupation that you could ever take. There's no value in that. And this person don't mind doing the task that others have rejected. But you're advancing in this world. Status, pride of life, loss of the flesh, greed, covetousness. And now somebody is being used of the Lord and you're angry. Somebody is being appreciated for bringing victory into the camp of the Lord and you're angry. It's a spirit of jealousy. It's demonic. Hallelujah. In the very nature, it's selfish. And out of it comes every 
kind of evil. Jealousy. Jealousy. It will allow you to keep an eye on an individual for how it works, brothers and sisters. Is that ill feeling that you have towards that person makes room for the spirits of this world, the demonic spirits, the thoughts that you have about that individual. Feelings that you carry about that individual, the demons of this world, hallelujah, begins to influence your mind. And before you know it, hallelujah, you may be even caught up in witchcraft. It's a dangerous spirit, opens door to all kinds of evil, hallelujah, and it's now lodged. In the Lord's assembly. Evil. Katashamba. Keeping an eye on the individual. What? What's, what's, what's the purpose of keeping an eye? I'm going to make sure that from here he doesn't progress. I'm going to take him out. I'm going to do anything to keep him down. That's what was in the mind of Saul. It's an evil, wicked, cruel spirit. Now, 8.53, and I feel like I'm just starting. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Saul now was dealing with a, a burning on the inside, a hot anger, a bitter jealousy. Hallelujah. Anything I can do, I'm going to do it to take him out. But hello, I have noticed for somebody tonight that there's nothing a man can do with a man of God. Hallelujah. A woman of God whom the Lord's spirit is resting on. Hallelujah. There's nothing that can happen to such an individual. Next, you know, Next day, Saul decided from that time I'm going to keep an eye on David. Bible said the next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul and he began to rave in his house like a madman. You know, brothers and sisters, there's some things that God does. And, and people all smile in the assembly. And as soon as they leave church, the tormenting spirit turns on on some individual. The jealousy begins to, to burn on the inside. They open their mouth and they'll open their mouth against the people of God. They begin to talk loudly what they dislike and what they like and what they hate. And even their children begin to listen and wonder what kind of church is this. What kind, hallelujah. And even they don't know they're sowing into the minds of their children. And not before long, you're going to see a generation that have no regard for the things of God. Because there's a jealous spirit living in your house. He began to rave in his house like a madman, uncontrollable. The king. David was playing the harp. 
as he did each day. But Saul had a spear in his hand. And he suddenly hurled it at David, intending to pin him to the wall. But David escaped him twice. Can you imagine? There's no telling, brothers and sisters. There's no telling what this spirit of jealousy will do. For wherever, James 3, verse 16, there is jealousy and selfish ambition. There you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Murder is present. Covetousness is present. Oh, God Almighty. Every kind of evil is present. He's being tormented. My God Almighty. And David is doing what he normally does. Just to appease the king. Just to bring his spirit down. And make him calm. And when he looks at David. Oh, God Almighty. Words could not express what he was feeling on the inside. So he took action to express what he was feeling. He pulled his spear, threw it and launched it at David and it's in his mind, his intention was to pin the young man to the wall. I want his blood. I want him dead. And when he recognized David escaped, he tried twice. David escaped. And Saul was then afraid of David. For the Lord was with David and turned away from Saul. Hello, somebody. And you read that statement and you might feel good about it. But that's, I don't feel too good about that kind of a statement. For whenever you have people who are afraid of you, I'm not talking about respect. When people are afraid of you, fearful of you, there's no telling what they will do. Finally, Saul sent him away and pointed him commander over 1,000 men. And David faithfully led his troops into battle. We're going to pick up on this next week. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But the spirit of jealousy, the spirit of jealousy, the spirit of jealousy, the spirit of jealousy, hallelujah. I come in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That beast. Hallelujah. I come in the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to fast about it. We're going to pray about it. We're going to preach about it until hallelujah. Hallelujah. Teeth will and tongue will meet, my God Almighty, gnash upon the preacher, cry out against the preacher. But the spirit of jealousy has got to go. There's no room for it in the house of the Lord. There's no room for it, my God Almighty. Hallelujah. Amongst God's people. Hallelujah. We serve one another. Hallelujah. We have the same mind that he had when he came into this world, took on the form of a servant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. himself of little or no reputation my god almighty hallelujah that's what we're called to do to serve each other my god hallelujah to love your brother even as christ has loved us and gave his life hallelujah as a sacrifice for us my god almighty hallelujah there's no room for jealousy in the house of the god of, of the living god come on somebody come on somebody come on somebody 
praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Unmute your microphones. Unmute your microphones. Hallelujah. Cover me, Lord. Cover me, Jesus. Cover me. Cover my children. Cover my wife. Hallelujah. Oh, where there is jealousy, there is all and selfish ambition. All kinds of evil, disorder, my God, confusion in the house. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, heal us. Lord Jesus, heal us. Lord Jesus, heal us.